Hello, friends and fellow spiritual revolutionaries. This is John White, and this is episode 87 in Stories from the Relational Revolution. As I've been working on this episode this week, one of the things I'm aware of as I pay attention to my own heart is my emotions about the church. I love Jesus and I love his church. And as a result, I realize that I feel both sad and angry. Some of you are familiar with the whole Enneagram concept. It's kind of a way of just thinking about different uh, types of personalities. I'm an Enneagram eight. And an eight is a protector and a challenger. And as a result, I feel lots of anger about the state of the church today, at least in the US and, and really in the West. The church, the, the bride of Christ, is so often weak and ineffective, and people don't think she's beautiful at all. People are walking away in droves, and, and I'm, I'm angry about that. That really, that really gets me. Um, a number of years ago, a guy named Bob Beal wrote a book called Master Planning, and he's talking about how do you start on your planning? What's the starting place? And he says, what is it that you're passionate about? And he says specifically, what is it that makes you slam your fist on the table and say, something needs to be done about this? That's how I feel about the state of the church. Something needs to be done about this. So what exactly must be done? Well, I keep being drawn back to the statement in the title of this episode as a way forward to restore the beauty and the power of the bride. I believe that little simple statement reflects the biblical pattern. Every home a church, every church building a training center. Every home a church. As Chris Haven said, the separation of church and home is far more destructive than the separation of church and state. This separation is, I think, the subtle but incredibly um, effective strategy the enemy has used to emasculate the church. This must change. We must return to the Hebraic value of the home as the center of spiritual life. Then the second half of the statement, every church building a training center. Most churches would say that they are training their members, but I'm going to submit to you that for the most part, they aren't. At least they are failing to do a specific kind of training that Paul describes in scripture. I have a lot more to say about that, and I'll focus on that in the next episode. Sarah, Sarah's the one who asked me that key question about this. So every home a church, every church building a training center. What do we mean when we say every home a church? Well, first of all, I wanna say, I think we're talking about church as something that's 24 seven, not just a meeting, 24 seven. Now, as we're talking about this stuff, it, it is really easy for us and for myself to feel overwhelmed. It's like, I'm aware of how far short my home falls from this picture of church as home. And I wanna share with you uh, another word. This is not a Hebrew word, it's a Japanese word. It's probably the sum total of Japanese that I can speak, but I love this word. The word is Kaizen, K-A-I-Z-E-N. It simply means 
small steps of continuous improvement. This is a word that keeps me from feeling overwhelmed about things. So in this regard of every home as a church, I think Jesus knows exactly where we are in the process. And he's, he's ready to start with us where we are and to help us to take small steps. This is what Jesus is looking for, the, the two parables of the talents. You know, the master goes away, uh, gives his servants responsibility for some finance, comes back and evaluates them. And in one of these parables, he says, because you were faithful, that's the key word, in a few things. And the other parable says, because you were faithful in a small thing, I will give you the large and the many. So Jesus is looking for faithfulness in the small assignments he will give us. So the question is, what, what is the small step that Jesus wants you to take, wants me to take this week towards my home becoming a church? Listen to him about that. So church is 24-7, but, but sometimes the church gathers. Sometimes the church comes together. What does that look like? Well, brings me back to the verse we looked at last week, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Here's what it says. When you come together, brothers and sisters, everyone has a word of instruction, a hymn, a revelation, a tongue, interpretation. Let all of these things be done for the edification, for the strengthening of the church. I continue to think that this verse is um, most descriptive. It talks about what actually happened in New Testament church. So if you walked into the church that met at Priscilla and Aquila's home in Corinth or Ephesus, I think this is what you would have seen. So I've got two big takeaways from this verse. In Luke 10, a lot of times when we have a meeting, we'll talk about what's your takeaway from this meeting? Well, here are my takeaways from this verse. First, this verse, I think, tells us the why of church gatherings, the desired outcome. How do you know if a church is being successful or not? And it does it in one word, one Greek word in this case. We talked about it in the last episode. The word is oikodomeo. Compound Greek word, first part is oikos, household, domeo, to build. So it can mean to build, to strengthen, to edify. How do you know if oikodomeo is happening, if the spiritual household is being built up? Well, I think that a strong, healthy, vibrant church, family of Jesus, was characterized by the one another's in Scripture. I think there are 59 of those. Somebody counted them up. Let let me give you um, a number of them. And imagine yourself, if you're still in part of a traditional church, you can do this with a house church too. Imagine that the church service is over, you're leaving, and you want to know if this was what Scripture talked about as church, if oikodomeo took place. Here's some of the one another's, not all of them, but ask yourself this question. Here's the first one, love one another. Was there a sense of of love growing between the, the members seated in the sanctuary? Be devoted to one another. This implies cherishing one another to be steadfastly attentive to one another, which I think is really wrapped up in being a great listener. Were people listening deeply to the hearts of the other people there? Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Well, I think that means 
that we, we are learning how to resolve conflict. Did, did that happen today in church? Build up one another. Are you feeling built up in the Lord as a result of this meeting? Here are two of my favorites. Weep with one another and rejoice with one another. Um, how much weeping went on? How much rejoicing went on? Do you even know where the, the, the people in the congregation are hurting, are sad, are weeping inside? Is that allowed to happen, weeping? And do you know where people are rejoicing? Do you know enough about their lives to know that? In Luke 10, we train people, starting with Church 101, in two rhythms of attention. Paying attention to our hearts, yours and mine, and then paying attention to the heart of Jesus. We find that the one another's flow naturally and spontaneously, almost effortlessly, from paying attention to paying that kind of attention. So it's not like we're going to set out to, to say, okay, we're going to work really hard at being devoted to one another or, or weeping with one another today. So we pay attention to our hearts, Jesus's heart. These one another's happen, I think, spontaneously. So this is how you know if you're gathering, wherever you met, a home or building, whatever, um, the gathering is doing what scripture describes. So that's the first takeaway from 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Oiko domeo, to build up, to strengthen and to build up a house. Here's my second takeaway. The first takeaway was that I think uh, it tells us something of the why we meet. This second one tells us something of the how. How does oiko domeo happen? How is this spiritual household strengthened and built up? This also is characterized by one word, and that word, English word this time, is the word everyone. Everyone is required for oikodomeo to occur. What does that mean? Ephesians 4.7 tells us that Christ has given to each one a spiritual gift as he has apportioned it. The message version says it this way. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. A gift. A spiritual ability that you have to help build up the household. And I think it could be more than one gift, obviously. Um, he has given you exactly the one or more things that he wants you to have. Jesus knows you, and he's assigned this personally. It's your unique contribution to building your church. He has given this to each one. Here's a hammer for you. I've got a saw for you, a paintbrush for you. Everyone, every single one, all are needed. A gift is a supernatural ability to strengthen or build your specific household. Remember, every person reading Ephesians or Corinthians met in a house church. There was not a mega church down on the corner. So the readers would naturally understand that this verse should be applied in that context, in the context of their house church. Now, when all of these gifts come together under the direction of the Holy Spirit, something amazing happens. There is a kind of a divine synergy. The whole is more than the sum of the parts. As Ephesians 3.10 says, you experience the multifaceted wisdom of God. Paul says, even the heavenly powers and principalities are in awe of that multifaceted wisdom. 
you just picture angels and principalities, whatever in the world that means, sort of standing back and in, in, in awe and say, wow, look at that. Look at what is happening between those, those human beings. This is amazing. It occurred to me that we sort of a, we see a, a bit of a human reflection of this dynamic in team sports. Now, I'm a basketball fan, professional basketball. I've been following, and I'm also an old guy, I've been following professional basketball for a long time. And the person that came to mind first was a, a, a basketball player by the name of Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt played back in the 60s and 70s. And he was perhaps the greatest athlete ever to play basketball. Seven feet, one inches tall, probably 270 pounds. Now, a lot of big men are slow and clumsy, not Wilt. He was fast and agile and unbelievably strong. He played in the 60s and 70s, and he still holds 72 NBA records. He once scored 100 points in a game, and once he averaged 50 points for a season. But over the course of Wilt's career, he only won two championships. During that same period, there was a team called the Boston Celtics, and none of their players came close to the strength and skill of Wilt Chamberlain. But what they were known for was playing as a team. Each player brought his particular skill or ability, and the result was an amazing synergy. And it was the Celtics that won 11 championships during that period. Many large churches will have a senior pastor who is immensely gifted, a great communicator, attracts thousands. But I don't think that's what Paul is talking about in this verse. The key word describing New Testament church for Paul is everyone. That's why I believe what happens in a traditional church, this would be radical here. <laughs> this will probably get me in trouble. What happens in a traditional church shouldn't be called church. It lacks the everyone part. When you come together, when you do church, everyone. And this can only happen in a household-sized group. The meeting in traditional churches of 100 or 1,000 or 10,000 is a spectator event. Church in the New Testament, by definition, was participatory. Everyone. God has made it so everyone is necessary for the church to be built up. Now, traditional church maybe we'll stop calling that at some point, does, I think, have an important role to play, but it's not by being a church. As our motto says, it is as a training center. Sarah, next episode, I promise you, I will unpack what I think that means. So two words to meditate on this week. Oikodomeo, to build up the household and everyone. So, Lord, I'm praying today that you will restore your church. You will restore your church to the pattern of the New Testament. Beautify and strengthen your bride again. Lord of the harvest, send out workers this week. Compel them to leave, if need be, where they are and, and bring them into the relational revolution. In Jesus' name, amen.